Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. These past two years, I don't know how it is for you, but man, these past two years have been rough. In fact, the crazy thing is, I was just talking and we're with a family and we're like, where did the years go? I mean, here I am, uh, you know, uh, today, believe it or not, it's my birthday, and so I'm turning another year older, and we're sitting here going, now, how old am I really? <laughs> I, sometimes I don't remember, because it feels like these past two years have just disappeared. It feels like there was so much going on that it felt like life just escaped us so have you ever felt that? Like these past few years feel like, man, they have just been riddled with problems and hard, real hard. Now, listen, I, I just I feel like I have to make this statement because of where culture is, and I just want to say it out front. Listen, this is not a political thing. In fact, I think cultural politics need to go. Because what's happened, I believe, is we have stopped seeing the humanity in each other because of a thought or an idea. And if that's where we've gone, we've missed it completely. So I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is real hard. The pandemic change this world. The pandemic was hard. And I think about, and maybe you can relate to these things because I just sat down and I started thinking about the fear and the anguish and the confusion and the stress that it's created in so many people. And maybe you fall in one of these many things that I felt like we wrestled and struggled through and fought through these past couple years. I mean, for some of us, we saw a loss of jobs. My family and I, we experienced that. We saw businesses shut down and futures unsure. I was just talking to someone this morning, and she was talking about the fact that if we can just make it through this month, it's hard. For some of us, man, we live in fear. One mask, two masks, three masks, face masks, social distance, stay away, don't get close. We lived in fear, and it was real fear. For some of us, it's the fact that, you know, we're stocking up on stuff because we don't know. I mean, y'all, when we start stocking up on toilet paper... To the point where you go out to the store and there ain't any. <laughs> that's crazy. But that's where we were. We were so fearful that everything was going to run out. And it was hard. And not only that, I, I mean, you know, there's medicines out there and everybody's trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work, what's really going to make the difference. And even to the point that some people said, you know what, here's a medicine that's made for humans, but it's also made for animals and we can't find it here, so we're going to go get it there. And some people got really sick. 
But it's because they were running out of fear. It's hard. Because you know what? Death is real. And there were people that died. There were good people that died. And whether that was because of COVID and the pandemic or whether it was complications for other things, it doesn't matter. There was loss of life. There was hospitalizations. There were people that were broken and hurting. And we didn't know what to do. And we felt lost. Suicide. I don't know if you know this, but suicide has been at an all-time high. Especially among young singles. Because in a time when everything is social distancing, they were trapped in apartments and everything else. They didn't have families to lean on. And it went at an all-time high. Hard. And then next thing you know, people get so impassioned and enraged by their ideas that my idea is better than your idea. And you see people yelling and, and shouting at each other. And, and, and even in churches from one side to the other, people getting upset, people defriending people. And I'm not going to talk to you anymore. We stop treating people like human beings. There was no civil discourse. It had all gone away. There was no agree to disagree. It was no, you have become the enemy because everything was so hard. And then for some of us, we look at our kids. We look at our family and we go, have I prepared them? Have they got what they need? Have I done everything I need to do? And we find ourselves in this life that has changed drastically. And to be honest, we weren't anticipating this. We weren't ready for it. And for a lot of us, we didn't want it. But in a sense, <laughs> what we began to feel, I think, is desperate. In fact, I think we still, at times can feel desperate with the problems that we face. Because there's still gas hikes and food shortages and job loss and protests. And now to add on to all that, there's wars and rumors of wars. And it seems like we live in a world that is so desperate right now. And I don't know if that's true for you, but I think for some people, we're just trying to survive. We're looking forward to the spring and the new and in the summer and something, right? Something to grab a hold of. And I don't know about you, but this is where we have been. This is where I've been. And I don't always know what to do or what to say or how to respond and I've struggled, and I've wrestled, and I've cried, and I've weeped, and I've anguished, and I've stressed. What do we do in the moment of problems and hard, especially when they become desperate? You know, of all places, <laughs> people should be able to come to the church, right? Of all places. 
They should be able to come to the church in the moments of desperation. So how do we need to respond? Well, today I want us to jump back to a place in the Old Testament where the Jews were up against this idea of desperate. And I want us to see what happened. And just as Jehoshaphat prayed this, cried out this incredible prayer. In 2 Chronicles 12, and I'm just going to read this to you. We're going to get into the script here in a minute. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we feel, see if you feel this, for we are powerless against the great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do. Have you ever felt like the storms are just coming and you have no clue what to do? But listen to this. I love this. But our eyes are on you. This was a prayer that he gave, and it expresses the attitude of a man who really understands the reality. The reality that problems happen, don't they? They just do. Jesus even said it in John 16. He talks about, in this world, you will have troubles. <laughs> he didn't say you could have troubles. He said you will have troubles. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. And here's the thing about troubles and problems and desperate moments. They don't care who you are. They're not biased towards anyone. You can be rich or poor or weak or strong or smart or ignorant. It doesn't matter. Your gender doesn't matter. Your nationality doesn't matter. Problems are completely unbiased. And we all wrestle with them. We all go through them. So what do we do when problems come and especially when they become desperate? And out of our control. See, the Jews face a desperate situation. And I think the way King Jehoshaphat responded to that is a way that we can look at the world today and begin to respond to everything that is coming our way. So let's jump in and let me tell you a little bit before we get into the thick of it a little bit about Jehoshaphat and just his background. So there were these 12 tribes of Israel, and they had joined together to create one nation. And everything was going well for a little bit, but then King Solomon wasn't faithful as he should have been. And because of that, the nation got divided into two underneath his son, Rehoboam. And he divided it between Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And from there, he, he passed Judah on to his son, who passed it on to Asa, who passed it on to Jehoshaphat. Now, in that time of Judah, there were good kings and godly kings, but there were also wicked kings and faithless kings. Fortunately, Asa and Jehoshaphat, Asa was his father, were good kings. 
And so this is part of where we find ourselves. And something happened that Jehoshaphat would never forget that happened in his father's life, Asa. See, it seemed that Asa went and he said, you know what? I want you to turn over your idols. I want you to come and follow God. Like, come and follow him. And all the nations started to do that. And God blessed them. And he brought peace throughout the land. And while there was peace, he said, you know, here's what we're going to do. We're going to fortify our cities. We're going to build walls around them. We're going to build up our army. And God blessed and they prospered. Well, of course, you know what happens when people prosper, right? And especially nations. I mean, we see it going on today with the war there in Ukraine. When things go well, people come after you. So in that time, out of Ethiopia, it was an Ethiopian nation, king, and they came after Judah, and they, or they came after Asa. And they came with a great army, literally a million foot soldiers and 300 chariots. It was overwhelming. And Asa cried out to God. He goes, there's no way. <laughs> We're dead in the water. And God heard his cry. He heard his plea. And he struck down the, this, this Ethiopian army. And all of a sudden, they fleed all of Asa's army. And so the God became known as the God of the desperate. And this is what Jehoshaphat grew up in. This is the story he heard over and over and over from his dad of how God showed now, Jehoshaphat wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but he had a place in his heart for a faithful, powerful God. And that would prove to play out in his life. So then we pick up, now Jehoshaphat had been king and reigned for many years, and they were prosperous and blessed, but then all of a sudden, desperate struck. We pick up in first, or 2 Chronicles 20, starting in verse 1. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, and with them some of the Immunites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming from you from Edom, far beyond the sea, and beyond them in the horizon Tamar, and that is in Ingid. I think I said it right. If I didn't, you, you'll give me grace. <laughs> so here it was. All of a sudden, there were these two groups that were, that were at war. They were at conflict constantly with Israel. In fact, when God gave the land, the promised land to Israel, he said, leave these groups alone. Well, now these groups have seen how God have blessed and prospered, and they want a part of the pie. So now you have these armies who have collected and they come down on the south side of the Dead Sea. Now here's the problem. The place where they ended up was only one day's journey from where Jehoshaphat and the capital was. There's not enough time to rally the troops. He just got word that these armies, these three different armies, are coming to invade and conquer Judah. They're sitting ducks. 
He doesn't have enough men to fight. There's not enough fortification in the city to last. And so he has to make a decision. This is the place of desperate that he finds himself. See, this story begins in fearful. You know, for a lot of us, that's where we've been. We see the things out there. We see the wars and the rumors of wars. And we see plagues and and sickness and hurt and job loss and all this stuff. We see all these things out there. And we're like, they're coming for us. We don't see a sight in end. But the end of the story is joyful and victorious. So what happened in the middle? What's the in-between? How did Jehoshaphat respond in this moment? And more importantly for us, what things can we learn about the experience that he went through that we can bring with us in these moments of desperate Because that's exactly where we're at now. So I want to give you five quick things to grab onto. The first one is this. Cultivate a trust in God before desperate times come. Cultivate a trust in God before desperate times come. If you look at verse 1, there in verse 1, it says this. It happened after this. It happened after this. What is this? What is this? Well, you have to go back and you find out there were two instances that that he went through. The first one that Jehoshaphat went through is he learned a difficult lesson. He He had made an alliance with an ungodly king. He made an alliance with Ahab, who was over the northern side of Israel. To fight one of his enemies. Well, it was a bad decision. It was an unwise decision. In fact, Ahab ended up dying. His army got wiped out. A lot of Jehoshaphat's army got wiped out. In fact, Jehoshaphat almost died himself. And God came up to him and said, listen, listen, listen. What are you doing? And he rebuked him. And he said, listen, why are you you associating yourself with ungodly kings? They don't even believe I, they don't believe in me. They don't like me. Why would you do that? And he rebuked him. But then God says, but I see the good in you. And he allowed him to continue to rule as king. Now, here's the good he saw him because that's the second thing. The second thing Jehoshaphat did is he began to reform the spiritual environment within Israel. He came in and, you know, he he wasn't a, a king who just lived in Jerusalem. He was there with all the people, but then he actually went out and he went to the mountains and he went to the countryside and he met all the people and he said, listen, 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 come back to Yahweh, come back to your God of your fathers. And he pulled them all back to God. So people who had walked away from God because of godless, faithless kings, he brought the nation back. And because of that, by the time this crisis hit, 
Jehoshaphat was already in process of getting rid of alliances with, with evil, ungodly kings and of building the spiritual side of the country. Now, put yourself in this place. Imagine what happens if all of a sudden he doesn't do any of that. And this hits. And the crisis comes. And all of a sudden he's left. And he's not ready. And then all of a sudden he goes, whoa, 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 we, we got to do this. We got to do this. God, God, you know, hey, we need you. We need you. We need you. I'm sorry I haven't done this. I'm sorry I haven't done this. You know, no, forgive me, forgive me. You know, don't we do that so often? We just want to live our lives. We're like, why, why bother me, Chad? Why do you, why, why should we care? Just let me live my life. And then when the crisis comes, then I'll go to God. But for now, why can't I just be me? Let me just do what I want to do, and when the crisis comes, then, you know, I'll go to God, and it'll be all good, right? <laughs> you know, Jesus talked about this. He used it in a parable. He said it's, it, it, it's like in a man who, who heard the words and obeyed them. It's like him building his house on a rock. And then the winds came, and the storm came, and the floods came, and guess what? The House stood. But then there was a man who listened to these things, and he didn't pay attention to them, and he didn't heed them, and he went and built his house on the sand. And the winds came, and the storm came. And all of a sudden, it blew the house over. Here's the thing. We can't wait till the crisis comes. Because really by then it's sometimes too late. We've got to be preparing now. We've got to be building now. Now is the time that we need to be ready. Because let me tell you this, the storms are coming. You think, oh, I, I, love, I love hearing this saying, oh, we can't wait to get back to normal. I'm like, we're past normal. <laughs> We're not getting back to where we used to be. But here's one thing I can promise you. There's more to come. There's more storms that will come. There's more desperate that will come. You will have troubles. But take heart. God has overcome the world. All right? So we need to now be preparing our hearts and our minds. We need to now be preparing our families. This is the time we need to be getting in church. This is the time we need to be getting connected. This is the time we need to be in his word. This is the time we need to listen to those lies that the enemies keep throwing at us and wants us to believe. This is the time we need to take all that sin and uproot and say, no, no, that's not what God said. That's not who God is. This is when we need to do it. We need to cultivate it now. Because so come. And Jehoshaphat knew that. Unfortunately, he was prepared. Second thing, and these are going to be a little quicker. <laughs> Second thing is choose to turn to God in my problems. Verse 3. It says, then Jehoshaphat was afraid to, say, to set his face to seek Lord and proclaiming a fast throughout all 
Judea. I love this because he didn't wait. He wasn't like, okay, God, I'm going to try everything else. I'm going to call all my armies and see if they might can get here in time. We're going to go to the guard and say, can you guys, do you think you could possibly hold them up? How much food do we have? Can we last? Can we do this? No, 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 no. It wasn't like this. He says, no, my first person, my first place, the first person I go to is I run to God. I love that. But what do we do? When problems and troubles come our way, is that our first response? The fact that most bookstores and Amazon books or wherever you get your books from, the fact that most of them, the biggest section they have is self-help section, I can guarantee you that's not the first place we tend to go. A lot of times we think we're strong enough, powerful enough, smart enough we can do this on our own. I mean, hey, I watch HGTV. I know my DIY. I can do that. So surely I can handle these problems, right? Some of us, we think we can do it ourselves. Others of us escape. To my guys, because I get you. It's easy not to want to deal with the problems. It's easy to run to work. I've been there. I know what it was like to just not want to deal with it. You become like a workaholic. Because it feels good. You're doing something, right? But God says, no, 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 no. The problem's still there, and I want you to come to me. Or for some of us, what do we do? <laughs> we escape here, don't we? All the time now. Or maybe it's not the phone. Maybe it's another addiction. Something that has us wrapped up in everything we do. Is God really the first person we run to? And if he's not, why? See, Jehoshaphat knew that. And the first thing he did is he ran to God with this problem. The second thing he did, or the third in our thing, we choose to talk to God about my problems. We choose to talk to God about my problems. In verses 5 and 6, it says, And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nation. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. I love that he got in front of everyone and he announced, you know what? I know the one who can take care of this. I'm your king. I'm your leader, and I'm telling you that he is my power, and he is my source, and he is the one, the God, who has it all. And he went to talk to God, and he prayed. And this was a desperate, desperate prayer. And I love the things he talks about, because he talks about, he does three important things to this prayer. Number one, he reminds, he reminds us who God is. 
Sometimes we need to be reminded who God is. We forget. Do you realize that God is the Alpha and the Omega? Do you know what that means? I'm going to blow your mind here just a little bit, okay? Stay with me. He's the Alpha and Omega. Guess what? All your problems, he knows the beginning and he knows the end. See, time was created for us. It wasn't created for God. So if God is the Alpha and Omega, he exists. He's the beginning and the end. He exists outside of time, which means he can look down in our world, in our time, in this place right now, in the problem that is plaguing you right now that you're thinking about that's in your heart and in your mind and stressing you out. And he says, I've got you. I know the beginning and I know the end and I'm everything in between if you just trust in me. He's the Lord of lords. He's the king of kings. I mean, man, he's unchanging. He's constant. He could be trusted. It's just God. We need to remember who God is, the one that we serve, the one that we follow, the powerful one, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, all holy, amazing God. Don't forget who he is. But here's the second thing he reminds us. He reminds us what God has done. He keeps reminding them of the promises that God has made as you continue to read through the chapter. He says, don't forget God promised this and God promised this and God promised this. And what he was saying is we know that you keep your promises. See, I love it because in the Old Testament, I often wondered, why did, why did they always say and build, a, and build a temple and build a soul? Like you cross the Red Sea, now, now take stones and build them up. And you do this, now take stones and build them up. I'm like, why did they do that? You know why? Because we forget. <laughs> we are forgetful people, aren't we? We forget from a week. God, like, does a miraculous thing, and he answers prayer here, and we're over here going, oh, I don't know where this is going to come from. And God's like, I just showed up. <laughs> I was right there. And you already forgot. Remember the promises of God. Remember what he said. And the third thing he says, or the third thing he said in his prayers, and he says, and I ask God for help now. God, this is what we need, and this is where I need you to show up. We need you now. Fourth thing, we need to trust God with our problems. So as we jump down through the chapter a little more, starting in verse 12. Our, oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For they were powerless against us with a great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do. Dot, 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 dot. We don't know what to do. See, here's the thing. We have to admit our own inadequacy. We have to realize and tell people, listen, I can't do this. I know I can't, God. I know this is you. If you don't show up, we're dead in the water. We're doomed. God, this isn't about me. This is about you. It's about you showing up. But then in verse 12, it goes on, but 
our eyes are on you. We have to focus on God. I want you to do something for me right now. I want you to take a fist and do like this. Make a fist. And I want you to cover me up with your fist. Just put it close to your face. Cover me up with your fist. Now, let me ask you a question. Am I bigger than your fist? Yes or no? In reality, am I bigger than your fist? I hope so, or you got one massive fist. <laughs> yes, I'm bigger than your fist. But not when it's here, because that's what you're focused on. How many times do we have problems, and they get here, and we get focused on them, and though God is infinitely larger, this is all we're seeing. We're focused here. We're not focused on him. It's the same thing with Peter. It's one of my favorite places. I, I love Peter. He's a crazy guy. But then he's like, Lord, let me come out to you and, and you know, walk on water with Jesus. That would have been awesome. And everything was good till what? Till he stopped looking at Jesus. And then he looked at the waves and he looked at the storm and everything around him. And what happened? He began to sink. If we focus here on this, we're never going to see what he wants to do. So we have to change. We have to change our focus. And then I love this. We, relax, we can relax and expect God's help. Verse 15, this is so great. This is so great. And he said, listen, all Judea and inhabitants of Jerusalem and, and King Jehoshaphat, Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed of this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. <laughs> I love that. The battle is not yours, but it's God's. Here's the greatest thing about being a follower of God. It's not dependent upon you. It's not dependent upon me. It's all dependent upon God. Yeah, right? Thank you, God, because you know what? I could not do it. I would fail every time. My best efforts would fail every time, but thank God, God <laughs> came and saved the day. That's the beautiful thing of it. We have a God that loves us, that is for us, and he wants to intervene in the place of our lives, and he wants to show up because he's in the business. He's in the business of helping the broken. He's in the business of creating life. He's in the business of helping give purpose and meaning to life. And he says, I want to show up, and I want to show you who I am. I love that. And then he continues to go on in verse 17. And he says this. You will not need to fight in this battle. So stand firm. Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Whew. I, I know you guys are like, man, this is just an old story. No, you don't understand. This is God today. 
He's like, you know what? I know you got all this stuff going on. I know it's hard. I know it hurts. But listen, God says, but I am for you, and I'm going before you, and I'm going for you through it all. If you just lean and trust in me. I mean, church, if there's a reason to get excited about faith and about following God, that in itself is incredible. <laughs> She's going to get me fired up. <laughs> And he reminds us why we trust in verse 20. It says this. And they rose, and they rose early, uh, sorry. <laughs> have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld and have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. There it is. He reminds us of two things, God's character and he reminds us of God's promises. If you want to know how and why you can trust God, that's why. If you want to know why Jehoshaphat knew in that moment when everything was desperate and when everything was about to fall, he knew, I can believe in God, that's why. And then here's the last thing, and we're done. I will choose to worship God in the midst of my problems even before they're resolved. <laughs> this is so good. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But here, let me read it to you. In verse 21, it says, And when they had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise in holy attire as they had, as they had before the army and said, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. And then they went out and began to sing and praise and set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah so that they were rooted. For the, and then uh, skipping down the 24, when Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they, were, they looked around the horde, and behold, there were dead bodies laying all over the ground. None had escaped. Who does this? Who says, you know what, we're getting ready to go into battle, so here's what we're going to do. The first people we're going to put in front is the choir. I need everyone who wants to praise God, I want you up front, and I want you singing praises to God all the way. We know we're going to face armies that are bigger and stronger and mightier than us, but we also know that we've got a God that we can trust. And so in the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of the desperate, we are going to choose to worship God. That's incredible. And when they chose to worship God, God gave victory. And all of a sudden, he turned the armies on each other. And they destroyed each other. And so sometimes when we're going up the hill... You know, when we say trust God, here's the thing. He never said, oh, I'm going to take care of this. Just sit there. No, he said, I want you to go and I want you to stand because I'm going to do something great. And sometimes when we're walking up the side of the hill 
And we don't know what's on the other side. And we're trusting God and we're praising him and we're singing worship to him. And then we get to the other side and we find out that God has already been there. And he did what he said he would do. Listen, we're in the midst of desperate. I know that. It's been some hard years. But here's what I want you to know. Jehoshaphat was seen as a great king among men. But to God, he was just desperate. To God, he was helpless. He was dependent. And God saw that. And God said, you know what? I'm going to show up. For us, we're in that same situation. We too are utterly helpless in times of desperate. And sometimes we don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. We don't know the next step. And God is sitting there and he's like, listen, I'm there with you. Will you just trust me in the moment of desperate? Will you lean into who I am? Once you know that I am for you, I love that our church adopts that form because we truly have a God that is for us. And especially in the moments of desperate. And it's my hope that as we get to that place, we can have the same prayer that Jehoshaphat had in the moment of desperate. When he said, God, I have no power. God, I don't know what to do. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn my eyes to you. And I'm going to trust you in the midst of it all. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.